What's going on, guys? It's Yahavi David Sinclair Speaks, and you are now tuned in to the Sinclair Speaks Show. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast on platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything that you need in a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app and start your journey today. It's that time. What's going on, guys? It's your hobby, David. St. Clair Speaks. You are now tuned in to the St. Clair Speaks Show. You are now tuned in to the St. Clair Speaks Show. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to the St. Clair Speaks Show podcast. I'm your host, Yahavi St. Clair, and I am sitting here with another incredible guest. Now, guys, without further ado, I have the honor to introduce Asha Wilkinson, lawyer. She's going to dive into uh, just the overall aspects of what it looks like on the other side of, you know, providing this life-changing advice. So if you guys have like these questions about law, like copyrights, trademarks, all these, uh, these various different questions that you will have, we're going to dive into these questions today because I'm excited because I want to kind of play devil's advocate in this episode. So I want to throw out everything I think I know and, and really just learn. Um, without further ado, the floor is all yours. Can you please just give an audience, if you can, like say a five-minute introduction on, on yourself, your brand, your business, and of course, what brings you onto the podcast? Absolutely. I just have to point out, though, you said you're going to play devil's advocate, and I feel like that's all I do as an attorney. I'm telling people, they tell me what they want to do, and then I'm telling them what they can do according to the law. So that is, you pretty much summed up my professional life right there, going against someone who plays devil's advocate. So thank you for inviting me onto the show today. I'm really happy to be here. So my name is Asha. I am a business and employment law attorney, and I work specifically with black and brown entrepreneurs to form and start businesses. And I think that's a niche that's really important because it doesn't matter whether you have a full-time hustle or a side hustle, in my opinion. I think that formalizing it and thinking about your hobby, your side hustle, your full-time as a real business has the potential to be life-changing for those of us who have been historically left out of the corporate world, the economic success all of that stuff in the U.S. In addition to being an, an attorney, I am also a full-time educator. I teach at a paralegal college and run, uh, sorry, teach at a community college and run a paralegal program at the community college. So that's uh, that's my professional life and offerings in a nutshell. But let's dive into this because this is this is a really good, I, I'm I'm so number one, thank you again for jumping on the podcast. I think I thanked you like three or four times, but <laughs> I'm itching to have this conversation because with with the whole George Floyd and the change around the world, everyone's been preaching change, but we don't see people that look like us in positions of change right. that could actually have that level of influence. You're actually in that seat. So let's dive in. I want to dive into the really nitty gritty. Like I want to dive into the adversity that you, you know, you're faced with in your industry and why people that look like us in particular need that back end mm -hmm. support. 
because because of the change and because right. of the power structure. So someone asked me the other day, you know, they said, you have this great social justice background. I studied public international law and law school, traveled around the world. I said, how does that bridge with you advising business owners, right? And there's this conversation going on right now about how capitalism is terrible, defund these systems and all of that stuff, right? Not, And I'm not commenting on whether that is right or that's wrong, but I personally think that entrepreneurship and business ownership is one of the best ways to address some of these social justice issues, right? Because in our capitalist society, people with money have an influence. They influence the vote. They influence the corporations. They influence the government, right? Um, they the, the system cares more about the kid from the rich neighborhood that got abducted than the kid from the brown neighborhood that got abducted, right? And I think just to be able to change our economic landscape and the structures of our families, it really ties down to or ties into making enough money to not just survive, but to be able to thrive. So we're in situations right now where schools are underfunded, uh, opportunities aren't aren't given to us at, at the same, you know, it's not an equal opportunity society, right? It, it's just not it. So if we don't fit in to that structure, if we don't want to have a boss, or if we are trying to do more for our family than what working a nine to five allows for us to do, then to me, the solution is entrepreneurship. And that only gives you the ability to control how much money you make, but you're setting an example for the kids in your family, the young folks coming behind you of what it takes to make it and to make your own way. It doesn't have to be this struggle story that we hear oftentimes. Um, it also allows you to put money away for retirement. It allows you to hire the people that you want to hire. So when we look at what is it going to take for our communities to change, I think it's going to take more of us starting businesses, being intentional about who we hire, because if it's going to change our family, it's going to change the family of the people who are working with us and for us as well. So that to me is really how it ties into social justice and what this conversation is going around right now. Like, what are the opportunities? This stuff is not fair. It's not fair. But what are we going to do? How do we empower ourselves? And there are some tools that are out there already. A lot of us just, we just don't have the, the knowledge or the experience. We don't know right? We don't know. So that's, that's my position. Yeah. I want, yeah, because I, you know, I'm, I, I it's, it's such a, con it's really such a conversation that we're having now because there's, there's a lot of white guilt going around mm -hmm. and it's so it's, it's everywhere. It's everywhere. And it shows, and people have no, I don't say they have no remorse of showing it, but people don't care to show it. They don't mind showing that right remorse. There's 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 business funding going around. There's a lot of forgivable grants. There's there's a lot going around, and people are getting drawn into so much different things. And there's a lot of mm -hmm. emotion that's driving a lot of things, right? So, for me, for someone especially like me, there's a huge benefit of having that connection right. to you, right? Um, to because. I would be limited and I've been limited for a long time because mm -hmm. of resources, the people I, I don't know and things I didn't know. It's not how I could fix my business. It's right. who could help me, right. right? And you're in a position which is really interesting it, it's like, I don't want to call you like that, that, that fairy, that fairy godmother <laughs> kind of like, but you come down. Yeah. Yeah. You kind of come down as this fairy godmother and like you're granting people, not even just granting people these wishes, but you're giving people 
I don't know, like you're, you're shifting their perspective in a sense and you're showing them and you're guiding them at the same time. You know what I'm saying? Just take yeah. it away, please. Yeah. Take it I hear what you're saying. saying. I, I like that. I've never been called a fairy godmother before, but I will take it. I will take it. Um, I think there's, there's two things really that you're talking about. There's one, there's access, right? Just even to the knowledge. How do you know what you need to know when you're running a business? And then how do you get to the people who can help you? And then how can you afford it? right? Like there's, there's all of those things that are going on, but we also have to recognize that these systems are designed so that only a few have access to them. So with my social justice sort of a heart, my mission is really to educate folks. So, you know, that quote, teach a man, give a man to fish, he'll eat for a day, teach a man to fish, he'll, he'll eat for a lifetime, right? Same idea for me. The traditional law model, the law business model is that I retain all this information. You got to come to me to get to it. And I have, because my heart is in education and empowering people, I'm taking the knowledge that I have learned over the past 11 years of being an attorney and saying, here's what you all need to know. If you want to come to me for me to help you with it, do it. If you know somebody else, do it. But I want you to know what you need to know so then at least you can make an informed decision and then move towards your goals of financial freedom, you know, legacy building, all that stuff, whatever it is for you. I'm, you know, it's funny. I, as I'm talking to you now, there are questions I want to ask you, but I'd rather ask you in private because they're more <laughs> in position to what I'm doing, which is, it's, it's really good. Um, so those, those are some, some things I just need to jot down for myself mentally, just taking these notes, mm -hmm. but to, to, to have the, to, as you mentioned, you said, you know, the A word, the, the access the access and to have the access and accountability, right. which comes with that access is huge in order for us to make these power decisions, right? So what's right. gonna make someone not only, you know, open up a business and structure it the right way, but you wanna make sure that you're covered on the right end. I had the opportunity to interview someone just last month about franchising, mm -hmm. right? And sitting down with a franchise attorney, right? And right. Getting a franchise advisor. So those were the kind of things that I was looking into as of recently, but to your knowledge, there is, it, right before we recorded too, I asked you, you know, a, a question about trademarking, but there's different, there's different lanes, there's different avenues right. in the law in particular. So mm -hmm. how do you guide people to going the right way? Because you could pay a pretty penny and it'll cost you a pretty penny if you do things the wrong way. And it's like, right. you have to pay for this all over again. So right. how do you, how do you kind of like guide people in these consul consultation conversations that you have with these prospects and the people that you meet? Yeah, that's Refer, give me a referral and I will sponsor your business in an ad segment just like this. Visit stclairspeaks.com and learn more about the St. Clair Speaks Show podcast proposal. It's that time with my gift for gabability. So opportunities come to those who hustle. So if you're not hustling, you're not creating the opportunities for yourself, you're never gonna be successful. You gotta do the groundwork and the groundwork starts with you. Really good question. So 
I, my philosophy is that I'm going to tell you what you need to know. And then what you do with the information is up to you. Right. I used to be that person that was like, no, you can't do it. Like the law says, right. My, my experience, I have seen someone mess it up this way and you get so invested, but that's holding on to the outcome. Right. My job is not to force you to do it one way or another because it's up. That's your choice. Right. My, I feel like my job is to bring you the information so then you can start making better decisions because we, you know, you don't know what you don't know. Once you do know, then it's on you to do better. It's not really on me. Right. So that, that's what I think is, is really important. You're talking about trademarks earlier, you're talking about, um, you know, I feel like in, in our communities, we are entrepreneurs, you know, even traveling the world, even, you know, in our own neighborhoods, like how many times have you seen a bicycle repaired? Right. Or, <laughs> you know, something bootleg, right. We call it bootleg and stuff, but that's really innovation. That's making a product last longer than what it was intended to last. And whether it's like selling food or, you know, I don't know, making jewelry or making clothes, you know, people printing t-shirts and selling them on the corner. You know, I want to talk to those folks as well as the big dreamers, because even just adding a little bit of extra income to your pot can really change how your future looks if you know what to do with it and how to do it. And, and just in terms of the information, like you got to know that you can have an LLC or a corporation and what that does for you. And really what sparked that question is I'd formed a corporation for a client of mine and he was like black guy. And he said, Asha, great. Thank you so much. But how do I keep my money? Like all the rich white folks. And I was like, huh, that's a really good question. And so I started saying, I, you know, and I knew the legal side of it, but I didn't understand a year and a half ago, as much as I do now, how the business side of it ties into the financial side of it and how that is all sort of wrapped up in the IRS tax code. And we, we complain about these rich folks getting richer, but it's by design, right? So if it's by design, why can't we also take advantage of that design? We just got to know how. It, it's definitely, you got to know how, and you got to know who, and I'm, I'm learning that too. It's definitely, a lot of, I, I think for me personally, I've recently learned this because I was limited for so long on how versus who. Mm-hmm. And when you, when, once I put the who in the equation, okay, the who is networking. And I, I could meet a coach and I could sign up for someone's services that literally took all that anxiety of me doing something the wrong way, right? People right. go on usbo.gov and do things wrong. They taught like so many mm-hmm. times, no matter how many YouTube videos you look at. For me, from a personal standpoint of business, I wouldn't, I don't know. I, I would better myself to a degree with certain things, but I feel more comfortable saying, Asha, would you just, hey, I know you'll do it the because right. I feel comfortable. The game's on the line. I'm giving you the ball. Right. right. You're comfortable in those in those moments. For me, it's like mm, I'm not so experienced. So it's also knowing when to kind of take a, a back end and say, OK, I, I need that professional help. Right. So when you reach that point of business, obviously, you have to be serious. But right. especially now in a pandemic, how has how has business been for you as far as just like transitioning online? Is, is it is it easier now because you could do these virtual meetings, just like a podcast interview? Or mm-hmm. have you found it to be, I don't know, a little bit more innovating, boring, creative? What has that experience been like for you in, in terms of just connecting with people? Yeah, well, my practice has been online for the last like three or four years. 
Um, I decided that I wanted to have a virtual law practice before it was even a thing really to do that because I'd always had dreams of moving to another country and living abroad and still being able to make money out here in California, right? Um, but what has, and actually right before the pandemic, I decided to do my consultations using Zoom because there's something that you miss when you don't see somebody and talk to them and, you know, get to look at their dope sweatshirt that you like you have on right now, right? Um, and so I started doing that even before the pandemic, but now the pandemic has just made it more normalized. And I started thinking about the virtual practice, not just for, for travel, but as advising business owners who wants to come to downtown, fight for parking, pay a meter, you know, come up and then go back. And by the time before they know it, it's been, you know, two and a half to three hours out of their day. So I really, um, I won't even say spun it, but just said, here's a different perspective on not having an office. You don't have to go anywhere. We can take care of this 30 minute issue in 30 minutes and you don't have to travel and go someplace else. So my practice hasn't changed that much, but um, I think it's just become more acceptable in society. I will say though, for a lot of the businesses that I've been working with, people have had to innovate. They've from fitness industry to food services, they've had to innovate if they're, if they're still here, right. To be able to, to, um, still survive this pandemic. And I think obviously the pandemic is not good, but I think it has done a lot of good things for business owners in terms of trying to figure out how can you change so that you are not victim to the circumstance? How can you innovate your business so that no matter what, you're either providing a service, a product, or offering it in a way that people can always find you and you can always deliver. Very good point. Very good point. So I want to know what is what let's kind of like, let's just take it all back. What made you get into this industry? Why law? What, what, what made you say, okay, that's what I want to do. Um, this is, this is what I'm passionate about. This is my career. What made you get into law? Yeah. Well, it was kind of an accident. I don't know very many people say who say they went to law school by accident, but I, my, I come from a family of educators. My mom's an educator. My auntie was an educator. And I just knew I was going to be a principal, just like my mom didn't really want to be. I thought about maybe being a teacher, but I knew that I wanted to do that for a few years and then get into administration. And I just happened in undergrad to do a pre-law undergraduate program that gave me the exposure to law. And the only reason why I got into that was because my job at the Boys and Girls Club back at home got the funding got cut. So I didn't have a job. So I was able to take advantage of this opportunity and then enjoyed the program, enjoyed learning about law. I thought, let me just apply and see what happens. That's always usually my philosophy. Like, let me just apply and see what happens. If it works out, then great. And if it doesn't, then it wasn't for me, you know, no harm, no foul. So I got into law school and I got into UC Hastings in San Francisco and said, well, this door opened up, you know, let's, let's see. And I thought that it would, law would give me a better platform or a wider platform to be able to help as many people as I could. So teaching is noble. It's awesome. I came back around to teaching, but I would be stuck being that high school English teacher, right? I wouldn't have a whole lot of other professional skill sets, but with law, it's a platform. So if I wanted to go into human rights, which I did want to go into, I could do that. That same three-year law degree will prepare me for that. If I wanted to go into corporate law, I could do that. If I wanted to do employment law, it's the same background. It's the same training. And then after that, you just have to get experience. So that's how I ended up in law school. Um, I applied for a couple, more than a couple, like a handful of um, 
international opportunities, like with the UN and um, different grant work, doing some work in Haiti and places like that. Didn't get any of them, even though I I thought that I'd cultivated this great resume, right? But it, it didn't work out. So I took a job at an insurance defense firm on the medical malpractice team representing doctors and hospitals. And I enjoyed it. Litigation was tough, but I enjoyed learning about the medicine. Then they downsized. They had some financial trouble. I was one of the last people to be hired. So I was one of the first people to be let go. And I, I struck out on my own. Again, not intentionally, but I was applying for jobs. My friends were sending me work to help them with. And then another friend of mine was like, you know what, Asha, you're, you're essentially running your own practice. Why don't you just do it? I was like, no, no, I'm not doing that. I don't want to do that. And she was like, you're doing it. So I think I probably waited another month. And I said, huh, I guess I'm making a little bit of money. What if I thought about it like seriously? You know, what if I, what if I actually set up my own business and ran it as a business? You know, what, what could happen if I did it that way? So started, you know, made it official, got a logo, which is not a prerequisite to starting a business at all, but that's what I, what I did first. And then, um, changed my mindset and, you know, told people like, I've got a law firm. This is what I do. And I've been doing it ever since. That is number one, again, congratulations on, on what you're doing, your success and everything. But I want to know what is it like to be black in law? Mm -hmm. as a black woman in law, what yeah. is that like? Yeah, that's a really good question. So I graduated law school at 25, right? I was, I was really young. Um, and I would go into these meetings and people, they would assume the last assumption that they would make was that I was an attorney who was supposed to be there. And it's really interesting when you talk about imposter syndrome, because I never felt like I was really supposed to. I mean, like I knew that I had graduated law school, but it probably took me two or three years to get comfortable saying I was an attorney, that I had passed the bar and that I was licensed to practice. Part of it was because it was new, but I think also part of it was that it was just kind of unbelievable in a sense, you know? Um, so I would walk into courtrooms or into depositions and these old white men would assume that I was the court reporter or that I was the witness. I've gone into criminal court and the attorneys are, are lined up. There's, you know, there's this bar that separates the audience from the court, the bench and stuff, or from the judge. And the attorneys go behind that bar to, you know, to register with the clerk. And I've had sheriff's deputies come over, excuse me, miss, you're not supposed to be back here. And, you know, then I get my little attitude. I'm like, I know, I know exactly what you're doing and I'm not going to make it any easier on you. Yes, I'm supposed to be here. No, this is for attorneys only. Okay, I'm supposed to be here. Are you an attorney? I'm in the right line, sir. You know, back up, right? So um, I've had those experiences for sure, but you know, like microaggressions or maybe mini aggressions. I don't know how micro they are at this point. Um, but I will say that when I started my own law practice, I got to pick and choose who I wanted to associate with. And so I made a really strong connection of other black attorneys and black women, black men who were in the area and who volunteered their expertise and their mentorship. So as when I started my own business, I got to choose who I wanted to be around. And so I kind of forgot a little bit that the profession was super white because my network became really black and brown. And, you know, Bay Area has some brown folks and some black folks, but it's not like, you know, Detroit, right? It's not like super black. So, but I was able to curate that network that looked like me and had a particular interest in seeing me succeed as a black woman. So I was fortunate to be able to do that. 
Yeah, that is, it's just like, that, it's so, I, I just get, I don't know, I get, I, I think it's just in us that we just get so, uh, when we hear someone's story and mm-hmm. their experience, I'm like, all right, let me pull this. I'm like, oh, right. this got me up for a little bit. But, you know, it, it's unfortunate that even at, in moments, we still have to go through that, right? Right. You know, we're doing what we want to do. We're living within our purpose, but it really, really doesn't matter. I mean, look, I don't say that's not going anywhere, but I, that's just an everyday experience of someone that's black. Right. right? So, sure. I mean, it, it's just really interesting. I, I, that's why I really asked that question. Cause I want to know what is it like to be black in law? Right. right? I am pretty sure. I don't know if there's like, you know, people, uh, with the stereotype so you think this and you know well, you know the law and all mm-hmm. these other aspects of it but um it's just it's really just really interesting but to yeah. my next question to my next question what are some what are some things that you would suggest anyone that's looking into getting started in the journey of maybe pursuing law and getting started with themselves, right? Mm-hmm. Someone that's young. So we're talking to the younger generation here. Unfortunately, they're, they're still, you know, getting school from home. They want to step into the law field, don't know how to get started. You mentioned Boys and Girls Club. You also mentioned something that kind of like jumped out too. You offered mentorship. Do mm-hmm. you have something like that where you're like doing something with the youth and next generation with mentorship? Or are you to that point yet? Like, what would you suggest as far as just helping out the younger generation? Yeah. So I, in terms of mentorship, I've jumped in and out off and on, depending on, you know, what my life allows for at the time. So right now I have, have a mentee who's at UC Davis and who does want to go to law school. So I'm just talking with her. Um, and I would, what I would say to the younger generation is get some exposure in law. So I remember my first day of criminal law class and this, our professor who had this big booming voice, really short guy, this big booming voice. And he said, he's like, if you think this is going to be like law and order, you better get up and walk out now. And we were like, do we stay? Do we go? You know, cause who doesn't love law and order, right? We just, we just knew that all these cases were going to be resolved in 46 minutes, you know, with, with minimal commercials, but that's not it at all. So you go through law school and you learn all this theory, which has no practical value, but it's the training you have to go through to be able to, to take the bar and to be able to work in a law practice as an attorney. So I would suggest for people get some experience in a law practice, whether it's like reception, answering the phones, that's always a great position, which is, you know, people think, oh, that's too beneath me, but it's not. You answer the telephones, you route all of the calls, you get an inside, you know, look at where these calls are going and who's calling, right? Maybe work in the mailroom, maybe work uh, as a legal assistant, you know, maybe go to paralegal school. Paralegal school is a really practical, it's a practical training program you learn. I teach my students how to actually do the legal stuff and it's a lot cheaper than going to law school. So it's a couple years out of your life, get a few years of experience and see whether or not you actually want to do the day-to-day work of doing law because law school is extremely expensive and it has some ridiculous rate of attorneys that stop practicing after like five years. It might be like 30% of attorneys stop practicing after five years because the profession, it's antagonistic. You're always fighting against someone. That's the nature of it, right? If there's no controversy, you don't have a job. If everyone's getting along, I don't have a role here. So um, it's important to really understand 
what it is, you know, what, what you'll be doing in the law practice and then, um, and then make the best choice that you can about where you want to go to school. Do you need to go to the top school that has the best ranking that has value, or can you go to a school that's a little bit lower in the rankings, but maybe they're covering 60% of your tuition because the student loans are crippling after you get out or can be crippling after you get out of law school. And then I would say when you're in undergrad, just do the best that you can in whatever area of study that you're studying. You don't need to be a political science major. You don't need to be an English major. I was an English major, but I was in school with people who were chemistry majors, who were, you know, dance majors. If you do something like dance or arts and you also might want to have a minor, that's a little bit more, I won't say more substantive, but has that, um, a little more traditional feel so that the, the admissions council can see that you're wrestling with material, maybe philosophy, you know, but whatever it is, do it and do it well. Whatever feeds your soul, do it and do it well, because law touches everything. Law touches inter the entertainment industry. If you really like dance and you, you want to be in theater, be an attorney that works in that sector. If you like sports, be an attorney that does contracts, you know, for sports arenas or sports teams. If you like, I don't know, international stuff, you know, study human rights law and work in that field. So there isn't anything that will disqualify you, um, but just make yourself sort of as robust as possible and then, you know, apply and, and see what happens. Point. Very, very good point. Um, you know, looking into the niche and what you want to get into um, and just pretty much just go from there. So, all right, I'm hearing myself. I was hearing myself echo for a second. If, if I am, you know, what I'm, you know, I'm someone, I'm just getting started out. Who is your niche clientele and, and who would you see coming to you? Like say, okay, I want to open up a machine, uh, the, like a machine uh, business about, you know, clothes or something like mm -hmm. that. What are the type of clients that you would suggest like, hey, maybe you should, you know, contact me or looking at working with, is it like a specific niche or is it like just more wide range? You mean like who are my ideal clients or yeah, like, advising yeah. someone else? Like who, who would be your ideal? Yeah. So right now my ideal clients are um, either aspiring entrepreneurs or novice, I would say entrepreneurs and not meaning novice and, and you've only been in it for a year and a half, but like maybe you've been in business or you've been doing your thing for five or six years, but you haven't taken the steps to formalize it. You don't have contracts. You know, you need to get your, your legal ducks, your foundational ducks in a row. And that could be anything from someone selling a product or um, being in a service-based industry. So any, anybody in that in that realm. And then my specific offering right now, I have a membership that I've just created about to launch in a week or two. Um, that is specifically designed to provide business education and legal education. So I don't become your attorney of record. I'm not doing the thing for you, but I'm going to teach you about contracts and what are the key terms that you need to know and how do you negotiate them so that when you come to the table and there's something that you need to read and review, you know what that looks like. And if you wanted to hire me to do it for you, then you can, that would be a separate thing, but I want people to have that knowledge. I want you to know before you get ready to hire somebody, are they an employee? Are they a contractor? What are the documents you need to have? Where do you need to put them? How do you need to pay them? I want to teach you how to do that. I want to teach you how to use your LLC or your corporation to help you build wealth. I want to teach you that you can set up your own retirement accounts. I want to teach you that you can hire your kids 
and get a tax, you know, um, tax reduction, right? It's non-taxable up to $12,500. I want to I teach you these things that you can do to build a sustainable business and then leave a legacy behind you. So whatever industry you're in, if that fits you, then, then I'm the person um, that can teach you how to do those things. Just share a little bit of knowledge with you. And then the more you grow, the more you need, like you're going to outgrow me and that's fine. But I want to help the folks that are just starting out, don't really know what to do and how to do it. And are just trying to soak up the knowledge so they can learn it for themselves. No, you made a, you, you hit a powerful point, even talking about talking about contracts, like discussing that and then really breaking down uh, just the basics and contracts and what to look for, especially as a freelancer, mm-hmm. right? You, you have to, you have to look at that. You have to look at that, especially as a freelancer, you're providing services. I was a former personal trainer for eight years. Mm-hmm. So even back then having those conversations was something I should have had a little bit more of from yeah. the point of just like protecting yourself insurance wise and no one getting hurt or whatever the case right. may be. But that's something to, to look at and have those conversations because these conversations don't happen often because we don't have these connections, right? We don't, right. not, not all the time we, we could pick up the phone and we could connect with Asha Wilkinson like that. It doesn't, right. it doesn't really happen like that. So, uh, you know, I, I'm happy to, you know, have the podcast, create the platform. People could have those direct connections, but it's just amazing just to even sit here and think about it. I'm like, damn, like I really don't have these connections. Really? Th- that's why I'm like, damn, really thankful for you. Now I, now <laughs> I have that, but what that does for me personally, internally, because I know how I am, I no longer have that anxiety of worrying. Right. Right. And that's right. why I, I, it goes back to what I mentioned before. It's not, it's not how it's who for me, mm-hmm. for me, it's who I'm very big on the who and um, just networking because when you meet one person, you meet a thousand people. Right. So your, your personal experience in your profession is really, it's really beneficial for everyone that connects with you because you're educating everyone at the same time. You're right. not just, you know, creating a service and, you know, you're getting the income for it, but you're, you're creating value. And right. People are going to come wherever there's value. Right. People like the podcast because I could bring on a guest like you and like what you just touched on makes so much sense because Mm -hmm. we need that. And there's so much different lanes. So I kind of want to ask. Okay, let me interrupt you for just a second. You talked about the representation and why it matters that I'm this black woman attorney in this space because, and I didn't directly answer that, but you just, you reminded me of something that it is important because when you don't see somebody who looks like you, you don't know that that could be you. So I'm a role model. You're a role model, whether we know it or like it or not. Right. But to see someone, you said you had done personal training, someone who's younger than you wants to become a personal trainer sees you. They know that they can do it because you have done it. You've opened that door. They might be able to ask you for mentorship because there's an affinity. There's a kinship, right? There's a familiarity that's there, but also with law, people are afraid. They're terrified of the law. Right. And then you, you have, we have all these like horrible shows and uh, terrible attorney jokes. And most people only go to attorneys when there's a problem. So for me to be able to speak to people who look like me in a way that is understandable, that's familiar, that's comfortable, my message just lands because now I'm talking to you where you're at instead of you know, dressed up in a suit, you know, as a middle-aged white guy who you assume you have nothing in common with. So it's important because we do, whether we realize it or not, we become empowered when we see other people who look like us. It becomes attainable because I see you, you know, you're familiar. Um, 
and you can do it. I can do it. And you inspire me and I inspire you. And then, and then we move up together. No, it's a huge point. And I, and again, so thankful for it. So what are like, what are some things that we could look forward to uh, as far as just, you know, you know, you talked about, you know, you have the service or, you know, you're bringing people in, you're educating people, you're creating a community, you're establishing that, but, you know, six months from now, um, you know, we're in July or whatever month we're in, mm-hmm. what, what, where do you see the Wilkerson Law Office with as far as just like your branding and what you're doing and with the community? Where do you see everything six months from now? Yeah, um, just doing more educating, having a, a bigger community. And for me, you know, one of the things someone asked me the other day, you know, what is success to you, right? And success is such, is such a personal definition of what success is. But for me on this project, at this point in my life, success would be being able to get the information to our community as far and as wide as possible. So it doesn't matter to me whether I've got, you know, 10,000 followers on Instagram or if I've got, you know, a million dollars in the bank. For me, what is more rewarding is making sure that we, our community of entrepreneurs, knows what it takes to build a business and to leave a legacy and understands that it is possible for them on whatever level that they want it to be possible. So in terms of looking out six months down the line, I want to be doing more podcasting, more uh, programming, you know, talking to more people and just have more people in that membership because, you know, me getting educated when I went to school and learned about something, I also educated those around me, right? It doesn't just stop with me. The knowledge doesn't disappear. Nobody can take it from you. So even if you, like, I got this degree, I got a degree in business also after, after law school and haven't used it. The degree wasn't as helpful, but no one can take away what I've learned in that. My experience came more from just doing the things, but I will know how to talk that talk and walk that walk. And I can walk someone else through it who decides to go to business school or advise somebody, you know, who's looking for that MBA credential. Um, It doesn't just stop with us. So that's my goal, that exponential knowledge share. I wanted to ask, I I should have asked you this before, um, as far as just like what states, because I'm in the, I don't know what state, because I'm in New York. Mm -hmm. I'm in California. Yeah. So I'm licensed to practice in California. So the goal of the membership is to make it available to people nationwide. So I will be, that's where the education piece of it comes in, that the concepts for contracts are the same throughout the United States. The contract, the concepts for business ownership are the same throughout the United States, but I want people to go to someone in their state to make sure that it is, you know, set up correctly according to state law. So like, for example, in New York to set up an LLC, apparently you got to publish it in the newspaper for like six weeks. We don't have that requirement in California. So I don't want to be touching stuff that's, you know, out of my state, out of my area of expertise, but I can tell you how to use that LLC to help you build wealth in the future. So open to everybody, but if I'm doing legal work, it's main, it's uh, in California. Yeah. Oh man. Cali is the motive. Got to get to California. (laughs) Just to visit. It's expensive out here. (laughs) Oh man. That's New York's, that's New York's sibling for real. True. California and New York straight up. Right. But um, so that's good. I like the fact that you make it a little bit more universal as a template where it's like, Hey, these are the basics because it's funny. Um, I was doing real estate wholesaling for a little bit and um, 
I was just experiencing a lot of just turbulence, a lot of like a lot mm-hmm. of roadblocks because mm-hmm. of the laws. The laws are different in so many different states. You have to talk to so many different real estate lawyers. And I have a connection with a real estate lawyer in New York, but he's only right. licensed in New York. He can't do any business in Atlanta. So it just kept going on and on and on. And I just got so frustrated. I'm like, yo, this has just been, for me, it was, it was mm-hmm. a nightmare. And that's where it kind of went back for me. It kind of went back to the who and not the how. Because when you have, you know, a lawyer that's licensed in various different states, it's a little bit mm-hmm. more helpful. So I wanted to kind of ask you, because before we got on on the record, started recording, we kind of talked in, we talked about this briefly as far as just networking and making referrals and stuff like that. So when you meet with various different people and you have these consultations, do you have these like direct connections uh, you're like, hey, I know the perfect person for trademarks. I know the person for entertainment and so forth and so forth. Because with me in particular, mm-hmm. I can tell you my, 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 my case is I'm someone who would need a lawyer for various different reasons, right? right? Um, just like everyone else. Mm-hmm. Um, just to have those connections. Is, is it like that for you too? Because I know people refer you all the time. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think of, you know, I... <laughs> When you go to law school or you become a lawyer, people think you can answer any legal question, but that's not true, right? Um, you niche down, you specialize, and you know what you know. Just like a doctor, you know, we expect our neurologist to know everything that's going on in our, I don't know, our feet, right? But that, but they have different specialties, and we don't, we know that we need to go to the kidney doctor for the kidneys and the foot doctor for the feet and the head doctor for the head, right? That's the same thing with law. You got to go to, you know, a business attorney for the business stuff. You got to go to a real estate attorney for the real estate transactions. You got to go to an employment lawyer for the employment stuff. So what's really important is to build that team of people around you. And if you don't know them, then ask your network for a referral. So to answer your question about, do I have those people in my contacts? Yes. And I have, you know, friends in other states and I will... Um, make a referral. And and I trust that the people I refer to, if they don't know it, they can make another referral to eventually, you know, get you to where you need to go and put you in contact with the right person. That, and I also tell people what questions to ask to help find the right person for them if I don't know them personally. How has been, uh, like, how has been, like, the the, the education process from, okay, you, you got this information um, you know, you're applying it, you, you're actually applying it to yourself into your own lifestyle, right? Mm-hmm. So is it is it the same for you? Or do you have to kind of like outsource your own thing? Or can you kind of like represent yourself in as far as what you're doing with clients? Yeah, you know, it's a really good question, right? I think it was, um, was it Lincoln? I probably shouldn't even quote Lincoln, but it was like the, the attorney who has himself for a client is a fool or something like that. Or the, you know, basically saying that if you represent yourself, even if you're attorney an attorney, you're still just as foolish as the person who's not an attorney trying to represent themselves. And the reason why is because, um, you may know some things, but you know, emotions get in the way, right? You're not able to see the picture objectively. So can I review my own contracts? Sure. Should I negotiate my own contracts? Probably not. I was just listening to a podcast today from this woman who was saying she turned a contract over to her agent to uh, negotiate and the agent got for her 
four times the amount of money that she was even thinking that she could get, right? Because she was limited by her own perspective and by what her own experience was. But having that third party advocate, that advocate was able to see more than what she was. And that advocate was disconnected from it emotionally. So the advocate could go toe to toe for her with the company to get her what she earned, you know, what she deserved, not just what she was used to earning, right? But same thing for me, like, I know a little bit about accounting, but I have an accountant, you know, I don't, I don't, I know enough to know what questions to ask enough to be savvy about it, but I'm not trying to do all of those things myself. And I would say that, you know, we talked a little bit about like, what's the biggest lesson you've learned in entrepreneurship or what would I tell myself um, if I could go back and do it again? One of the things that people struggle with in the beginning is doing too many things themselves when it's not their area of expertise. And a lot of that has to do with the fact that we are cash poor when we start businesses, especially as black and brown folks. So we have to, if you can't hire the person, you've got to make sure that you get educated so that you become the expert in these areas. But in reality, like we're not going to be an expert in all parts of our business. You need to learn how to do enough to know who to hire and who to ask, but to be an expert takes thousands of hours and years of time and, and experience, right? So what can you do when you don't have the money? Can you trade your time? Can you trade your service? What things are okay to put off a little bit later to a little bit later and what things do you need to take care of now? And a lot of that just comes from, you know, talking to the right people, reading the right documents and, and articles and making sure that you're covering yourself on your liability. And then what can you wait to do? right? Maybe you don't need the super badass website right away. Maybe you can put something together on your own to get you started. Then when some money comes in, hire someone to revamp it. There's all this, you know, um, thought out there about, you know, what, what is really worth your time to do? What are you really good at and what's worth your time to do? And then on another note of just being able to stay motivated in entrepreneurship as much as you can, as soon as you grow to a space where you can outsource, only do the things that you like to do, right? Work in your zone of genius. This guy named Gay Hendricks has this book called The Big Leap, and it talks about these different zones. And, you know, most people work in the zone of excellence where you can do it, you're, you're proficient at it, and you can get the job done. But what if we took that next step, that scary step of deciding to only work in our zone of genius? That means that you have to trust other people around you to handle the things that you don't like to do. But imagine if you could always work in your sweet spot every single day and not have to worry about the other stuff, right? That is the goal to build these businesses in a way that works for us so that they are empowering us and giving us life and not the other way around where we are a slave to this business where it's taking our energy, taking our good natured personality and we're working ourselves to the bone in hopes that one day it pays off. Make it pay off every day, but it but that depends on how you choose to do the business when you're actually doing it on a day-to-day -day basis. I'm sorry. Like, it's like the second you said the big leap, like that's the second time I heard that same book recommendation on my podcast. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, okay, all right, let me look into this yep. book now. And I had to literally write that down. Let me write that down before I forget it. But, oh, you, you know, you touched on, you touched on so much different things and like, it, it's so good to get this insight and hear your experience and go on this mental quest journey with you. And just like 
get to the there's of course there's the beauty and there's the mm-hmm. ugly side of it right there's the ambitious side of it and there's the adversity right. side of it and but like what what is that ambitious and adversity uh, uh what what is that like for you in in your industry well what's that like yeah so i i you bring up a really good point because you know on social media uh in forbes and in business insider we hear about the wins right? We hear about all the good things and how someone's company just got bought out and how people are traveling the world because they have their own company, but we don't really discuss the downs. It's like, it's like a relationship, right? I remember I heard this sermon one time and this guy called it the marriage conspiracy before you get married. Oh, it's great. You know, it's going to be so fantastic. After you get married three months and they're like, it's hard, isn't it? Right. That's the kind of the same thing with entrepreneurship. Oh, it's great. I've got this freedom. I get to do what I want to spend time with my kids or my friends or whatever. But people rarely talk about what it takes from you to be an entrepreneur. And you're going to experience doubt, right? Then you're going to conquer that doubt because you've made progress and you go to the next level and then you've got more doubt, you know, because it takes every next step requires a new version of yourself that you haven't gotten to yet. And that creates some insecurity because you haven't done it. So how do you get past that? I think it's being wholly committed to your end goal and a willingness to do the steps that you need to take every day to get you there. And it doesn't mean that you are working from 5 a.m. to 11 p.m. You know, every day. If you want to do that, that's fine. That's not sustainable for somebody like me, right? But it's thinking about what is my end goal and, and how am I going to get there? What, what are the pieces that I need to put into place, the actions, the repetitive habits and actions that I need to take every day to get me one step closer tomorrow than I was today, right? And it is that determination. It is that consistency. It is that uh, discipline that when it's not exciting, when you're, when you're not sure if this is it, to get up and do the things that you know how to do anyway, when you're not sure if it's going to work or it's going to pay off. But the flip side of that is don't be afraid to pivot. I think that we feel like we have this business idea and we've got to stick stick to it the whole time. And if we don't get there, then we failed, but that's not true. We as humans are ever evolving and changing. Businesses are ever evolving and changing. You have an idea, you get started. You're like, I like this, this thing over here a little bit better. This fits more within my strength. So pivot and do that, right? Oh, this niche isn't as profitable as I thought it was going to be. So pivot and do that. Don't be afraid to revise and redirect, right? But don't, be so stubborn that you repeat the same mistakes over and over again. You don't have to. It's not a mistake if you can learn something from it and give yourself that time to learn and evolve and know that next month you won't be in the same spot as you were today and take the time to look back and see how far you've come because it is an ever evolving process. You're going to keep learning. It's going to keep requiring more of you, right? You'll be so surprised at how much you can do and how much you can overcome through entrepreneurship, but it takes a level of commitment to doing the work that is not discussed, I think, often enough. We talk about the end goal, but it's not the end goal. It's the commitment to doing the work all the time that gets you to where you're trying to go. You touched on a powerful point. You know where you are, but you know where you've been. And it's Mm -hmm. all about looking at where you've been, looking at where you want to go, but going back to your why and what drives you. And I'll be honest, like entrepreneurship, like there, there's, there is the beauty, but there's also that, that ugly. For sure. And not every, no one shows their highlight reel of their losses. 
No one does that. So, you know, it's going to be, uh, even me, I, but I've learned to monetize my losses mm-hmm. in particular. I monetize it. I talk about it a lot, which is what kind of sparked the podcast. And literally in two months, it's about to be a year mm-hmm. since the launch. And it's just like, damn, like you would have thought in that one little thing, that one little thing it has the largest ripple effects. And that's the thing. Like we have to own up that those little things, those, those moments where you say, Oh, I'll probably mm-hmm. do it tomorrow. Or yeah, I probably connect with this person next week. Number one, you never right. know what's going to happen. You never know how it's going to happen. Things happen so organically. It's just like, look, like to have this episode, to, to sit down, learn a little bit more about you, your backstory, then to have that organic connection. It's just like yeah. every one of my podcasts. My podcast yeah. has been my sauce for me. And the networking and just inviting people on and, and looking at their profession and how I can help them, but also looking at, hey, uh-huh. like, you can actually help me and vice versa. And, and it just goes both ways, but also learning and being a student like as you know, there's a time and place for everything, right? There's a time to be a student and mm-hmm. there's a time to be a teacher. For me, just sitting here talking to you, it's like, yeah, this is the perfect time to be to be a student, mm-hmm. to ask questions. And I believe when you ask questions, you open the door to, op- to learn opportunities, right. to learn more stuff, right? Things that you didn't know. And it's better for us to learn from a professional like you than just learn from our personal experience mm-hmm. of failing right? And registering a trademark or doing whatever the wrong way, because there's so much to be said about doing a, a copyright in a, in a trademark. And like, there's so much different stuff I, I would ask you, and I'm pretty sure we'll be here all day, but I know you get, and there's no such thing as the, a stupid question or a silly question. That's correct. I because believe. these questions are, there's, I'm pretty sure you get this all the time because these questions are so common. People just don't know, but what are, and I, and I kind of want to ask you this, but what are, the five, if you could choose five, because I want to say three, Ooh. but I'm like, no, I need to know five. What are five questions people should ask you? What are five questions people should ask? Hmm. And if you could give me a short why. Okay. Um, I Well, geez, five. Okay. I think the biggest one that people should ask is what happens if I don't do this, right? Um, and it could be in, in any sort of a context. So what happens, people ask all the time, why should I form an LLC or a corporation? But I think the reverse is also a really good question. What happens if I don't form an LLC or a corporation? Right. So the answer for that is, you know, you could be at risk to be sued. Um, you know, if something goes wrong in your business and it's your personal assets, your personal liability and people say, oh, well, I don't have anything yet, but you've got a credit history, right? You know, people, you've heard of these stories where people put all this money into business. It fails the next day. They're starting something new. How are they able to do that? It's because they have a business entity that they're doing the business in. And when they can't do it anymore, they close down the entity. The next day they start a new one and they start a new business, but they themselves as individuals are protected. Right. The other side of that or another um, response to that is what happens if you don't form a business entity? OK, so how are you going to do your retirement? Right. You have the opportunity to contribute multiple ways to a retirement when you run it through your business. OK, so what happens if uh, are, you, are you OK missing out on the opportunity of taking the, doc, the tax deduction when you pay your children in your business? Right. Are you OK with that? Are you OK with 
one thing going wrong and then losing it all? Are you okay with not having the opportunity to sell the business and, and make some more money? So what happens if you don't do it? And that's really like the attorney perspective. The attorneys are trained to think about what could go wrong as opposed, as opposed to what could go right. Um, Two, I would say, I'm thinking of these on the fly as well. Two, I would say um, people should be looking at who is in my network. Who do I have around me that can help me? And, and are they actually qualified to help me? Because we get advice from people all the time. Like, don't take relationship advice from someone who ain't never been in a relationship that you admire, right? Just don't do it. Don't take uh, legal advice from somebody who has not gone to law school. Don't take tax advice from somebody who's constantly trying to avoid paying taxes, right? Go to the experts who know who is in your network that can give you the information or point you in the right direction so you can learn it for yourself. Um, what else are we asking? Um, Just give me actually three. You could actually give me one more. I don't need five. I, I, I got one. Three. Okay. <laughs> one more that people should be asking. How can I be of service? You know, some, some folks, um, we all start businesses for different reasons. My... Um, you know, I just, I just have this heart for social justice. So I've always wanted to make things better for people. Other folks really want to make money and there's no problem with that. Other people just want to, you know, build a legacy. They want to put their name out there. They want to have a clothing line, whatever it is. Right. But I think that one thing in business that if we're as entrepreneurs, we are trying to give our products, sell our products or sell our services. So how are you being of service to somebody? How are you helping? And I think when you start to look at that, you start to write about, you start to write your product descriptions a little bit differently. You start to write your landing page a little bit differently because now you were speaking to that potential customer who you want to buy your thing, but you've got to tell them how you can help them, right? There's a friend of mine who's doing this financial advising and he's always saying like, I need groups to speak to. Um, you can hire me as a speaker. And I realized a couple of weeks ago, I was like, you, you don't share any information, you're not sharing any information. And I get it because he wants people to come to him to buy, you know, to pay for his time and to get on a financial plan. But how do they know to trust you when you have never told them for free, you know, some little gym that's already out there. And it's not that you tell them the how to do it. You tell them, you know, you tell them the what, right. And the people pay you for the how you tell them what this new pot and pan set does for you. And then, you know, the how is that I've created this thing and you got to get it from me. Right. So think about how can you be of service and then use that perspective to talk to your audience, to talk to the people who are going to buy from you and to really move your product or your services. And just to orient your company in that way, I think you will have exponential effects and that will carry on into referrals and partnerships and all kinds of stuff. Uh, it definitely does go a long way. Um, you, you know, you hit some PowerPoints, um, you know, really spot on. And, and, and it just goes back to, you know, just getting connected, connect with, connect with people. And I, and I don't want to sound redundant, but going back to the how, and you kind of touched on this too, and your last point, networking, network, uh, networking and how I could be a service to people. Going back to the, how can I help you, right? How can mm -hmm. I bring you value? How can I help elevate what you're trying to do? I, I think that's very important. And when you ask that question, people just, you know, go right to the pain point. Oh, well, you can help me with this, right? Um, my biggest hurdle is this. Um, I've had so much different, I've had so much different hurdles, but 
-hmm. when I look at just a problem and, and you go back to those three PowerPoints of what you just said, it, it just, it, it makes sense because it gives, it gives me clarity, number mm -hmm. one, because your, your main focus is how and mm -hmm. not how, not how much you charge. There's right. a difference. Right. I'm more than likely going to go out of pocket to go with your service because you're, you're more, how, how can I help you versus this is how much it's going to cost you. Right. So there's right. two different hows just to kind of like break that down. Um, but yeah, that was the, damn, that was good. I didn't even expect to say that. That was a gem right there. <laughs> <laughs> but sometimes, you know, hey, that's, that's the podcast. Hey, that's the podcast. But right. um, so tell us a little bit more because I want to know, because for, for my audience, what I like to do with all of my guests is I kind of like to like set up like an assistant. I kind of like throw you an alley-oop. So mm -hmm. how can we stay connected with you from now till pretty much just forever how can people get in contact with you how can we join your i think you mentioned is i don't know if it's a monthly subscription for your coaching mm -hmm. and your it community is. yeah so the easiest way to find me is on instagram i'm at asha wilkerson so a-s-h-a-w-i-l-k-e-r-s-o-n-e-s-q on instagram and then my uh, website is the wilkersonlawoffice.com so i've got some stuff up there about what services i offer the membership will be on there um, on instagram i'm sharing tips and information and just kind of inspirational stuff on a on a daily basis and um, yeah, those are the two best platforms to get connected. Come check it out. See what I have to say. If you like it, then reach out. You know, if you don't, then uh, take it for what it's worth and, and find your tribe. It doesn't have to be me, but I want you to find, you know, your, your field of experts that you connect to. Definitely finding, um, finding your tribe. And you, know, you mentioned, you meant, you definitely mentioned a lot and uh, gratefully so thankful for your, so thankful for your time, but finding your tribe and finding a network and, mm -hmm. and, and really sticking with that network and not how can I um, just reap the benefits from my network, but how can I pour back into my right. network? So I know you're in California. I'm in New York City. I know some people in California. So it's nothing for me to make that referral, to make that suggestion, vice versa, whatever the case mm -hmm. may be. But um, I, I definitely want to kind of keep on keep on connecting the stars and, and and refer as much people to connect with you. And I'm excited to see what you're going to be doing with uh, with the monthly coaching, getting the community going, and just like us, just like I don't want to say learning on the fly, but yeah, just us, just pretty much just investing in learning as yeah. we go and just letting you just lead the way. Because to have someone that it, it, it's like you. I love to use sports as an analogy. It's like you won a championship already. Mm -hmm. Like you've seen what it's like to win championships. I'm just, I just got in the league. Teach me right. everything you know, coach. Right. And I think that's exciting for everyone. That's exciting for me. And I want to encourage everyone to kind of educate yourself. Like now's the time. Like the best thing that you can do is invest in your time because in five, six months, your business is better structured because you invested into like I believe in coaching and mentorship because it, it's changed my life. And I, right. I, I can't even say changed, saved my life mm -hmm. because you gained this experience from someone who's been there. So, um, you know, shout outs to you. Um, I believe you told us where to find you, but yeah, yep. just, just stay connected. That, that's what it's all about. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we, we grow in community, right? There's again, going back to this capitalist system, uh, you know, people will make you think that there's only room for one of you and that everybody else is your competition. But I just, I don't believe that, you know, they're, they're competitors in the market, but together we can go much further. I just saw someone the other day that said, you know, I don't have any personal training spots available, but I know someone else who does. Right. And so that referral goes 
back and forth. I don't know an attorney who does this, or I don't do this kind of business formation, but I know someone else who does that goes back and forth. We both help everyone that we're trying to help. And, um, you know, that, that goodwill goes a long way. We go, we go farther together than we do by ourselves. That's what it's all about. You know, that's what it's all about. It's definitely about establishing community and collaborating and, and just helping just definitely helping each other. And that's what this, that's what kind of like sparked this podcast platform for me. What for me in that moment, I thought was like, oh, this is stupid. This is silly. Mm-hmm. Kind of turned into a really big deal based right. on like the people I started to sit down and network and interview. And now it's like almost a year. And I'm like, I'm, I just, I'm like, I'm interviewing a lawyer. Like this, it's like, it's, like, it's like, a, like kind of like a pinch me kind of a feeling. Right. But one of the things that we, we overlook, we, and I, we have to stop doing this is we overlook the power of our influence. Mm-hmm. And, you know, again, that's why I keep giving you your flowers and I'm saying, thank you. Thank you for your time because there, I have, I come from the hood. So there's a lot of people that still follow me from the hood that didn't make it out the hood. Mm-hmm. So when I have people, yo, bro, I listen to your podcast. Yo, I learned about, like, it's yeah. really cool, but you never think about stuff like that till it just hits you like, damn, like that's that, right. damn, like that's but- why I say thank you. But that's why it's so important, I feel like, to bring our full selves to whatever we do, right? There's nothing that disqualifies you from going to where you want to go. We may have like setbacks and roadblocks and things like that, but you are the perfect person to be doing what you're doing because your reach is exactly what it is, which is different from mine. So whatever our experiences are, bring them to the table. There's nothing that counts you out from, from mentoring, from growing, from influencing. All of it is relevant and all of it has a purpose. This is so powerful. Oh man, I couldn't be any more thankful enough. Uh, to close out in summary, guys, this is the St. Clair Speak Show podcast. Like always, guys, like I say, please don't forget to like, share, subscribe to the St. Clair Speak Show podcast, streaming on major platforms such as Audible, Pandora, iHeartRadio, Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Overcast, Radio Public, Breaker, Facebook, and YouTube. Guys, like I always say, it's time. I will see you guys in the next one. I'm out.